0: it's time for the 3304 sports beat writer podcast in this edition we have Colbert Bergstrom Isha Lamba and Patrick Campbell who cover Virginia Tech men's and women's soccer for 3304 sports Welcome into the 3304 Sports Podcast, Beat Writer Edition. I'm your host, Dan Steinbach. In this edition of our Beat Writer Focus series, we are joined by Colbjorn Bergstrom, Eshaan Lamba, and Patrick Campbell, who cover Virginia Tech men's and women's soccer for 3304 Sports. Guys, it's great to have you in here today uh, talking a little bit of soccer now that both seasons have wrapped up. How are we all doing?
1: I'm, I'm, I'm doing great today. It's great to be here. It's
2: great today. Yeah, Happy to Happy
0: well. to be able to talk, yeah. All right, well... Uh, so what we want to do today, we have two different seasons to break down. We're going to start on the women's side of it. This was the 10th season for coach Adair and they finished eight and nine overall four and four in ACC play. So basically what I just want to do with you guys here today, uh, covering both teams throughout the season, as you did both halves, the fall half and the spring half, um, that they had due to COVID they had to split the season. Uh, I just have a couple questions for you. So I want to start off here with season MVP on the women's side. Who do we think was the most impactful player uh, for Virginia Tech women's soccer this season? I'll start with Colby and we'll go down the line.
3: Uh, Well, thank you for starting with me because I feel as if I'm going to steal a very popular answer. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and go ahead and say the MVP uh, is Emily Gray. Uh, she was involved with the most uh, goal-scoring opportunities, goals, uh, and assists kind of like combined for the team. Uh, she was not only the leading goal scorer with nine on the season, but also had eight assists, uh, averaging out to having a singular goal contribution a game. Uh, they played 17 games on the year. Uh, and I, she played a lot of minutes as well uh, for the side. Um, just in an excellent year from her, uh, particularly since I've been covering since the spring. It was kind of hard to go a game without Uh, either live tweeting or talking about in either my pre or post game uh, about Emily Gray scoring. I think in fact, she scored uh, in every single game this
2: spring.
1: Uh, uh, Honestly, I think I I would agree with you in the fact that Emily Gray has had a fantastic impact for the women's team this year. And, you know, I, I will say that she definitely was one of the most impactful. However, I'm going to uh, add on to the fact that, you know, she, she is a junior. She's been at Tech for three. This is her third season, rather. Mm-hmm. And we, we know that she's been doing this for a while. And no, no, like, I'm not trying to downplay her stats. They're absolutely terrific. But she has been producing for Tech in the past, if not on the stat sheet, at least creating opportunities. For me, I think that the most valuable player on the women's side would be Tori Powell, She's a freshman. This is her first season. She broke out of the gates. Uh, She has seven goals on the season, four assists. She has 42 shots, 24 of which are on goal. And she's really brought a component to this offense that, you know, has really taken it to the next level. Their, Their goals per game average shot up from last season. And I think that's in large part due to her goal scoring, and her offense ability to take the top off the defense?
2: Yeah, I think those are uh, <clears throat> two really solid picks. Um, from my standpoint, I think I would go with, personally, Aaliyah Skinner. Um, watching the team, I think they kind of struggled to find offense, and To be able to kind of keep yourself in a game, it it helps when you have strong goaltending. And um, she was fantastic. I mean, there were so many games, especially I think her performances against North Carolina, um, who both times were number one in the country, and she held them to one goal, which really helps to kind of keep you in games and give you a shot. Um, She actually finished. Um, 11th in total saves this year as a freshman um, with 83, which is pretty impressive. And uh, she just did a really good job of giving the team a chance to perform um, against Virginia and Blacksburg. She gave up one goal in overtime, so that one was scoreless after regulation. Um, Just kind of helping the team. who wasn't very talented, I think, offensively in a lot of ways to kind of help them um, just – give them opportunities to be in the game. Um, She had a 1.42 goals against average, which is phenomenal. Um, Played 16 games, started all of them. Um, So, yeah, I think she just had a really strong year and helped the Hokies just give them a shot in a lot of games where it really felt like they shouldn't be in the game.
0: All right, guys, all very popular choices, I believe. And I liked how you you broke down really the stats there and uh, the overall impact that these girls had for the team throughout the season, whether it be in certain games or generally overall and helping the team. So I want to move on now and focus more on that team uh, success or maybe even lack thereof. And I want to focus on some certain matchups throughout this season, both in the fall and spring uh, segments. So I want to go through you guys again and I want to ask, what would you say was this team's best win but also their worst loss, whether that be uh, a good upset, just an overall good, strong uh, performance on the winning side, or on the other side, maybe it's a team that they were supposed to be played down to and overall just came up short.
3: Uh, if it, I, I'm assuming we're going to start off with me here again, and I'm going to kind of keep it to the spring stuff since, uh, again, that's kind of when I uh, hopped on. So for the people that uh, – for you know, the LB writers who are here in the fall – uh, honestly, I'm excited to hear those answers. But um, for the spring, I think probably the best win, or if anything, the most exciting one, was uh, the game in Lynchburg against Liberty. Um, the Hokies won that game five to three. Uh, it was a very, just like, as you can see from the scoreline, very offensively minded matchup. It was very back and forth. Uh, a lot of those goals coming in the second half, where both teams scored three goals apiece. Uh, again, Emily Gray, uh, I think, netted a couple there. And overall, it's just uh, for, for a performance where it just kind of felt like Liberty kept trying to chip back in, uh, Virginia Tech was able to keep the lead um, and keep distancing themselves. And I think that that's kind of a hard-fought win, particularly away from home, to be able to do that, like, in front of Liberty. I would say in front of their home crowd, but, I mean, with, with COVID, I don't know how much home crowd they were able to have at that point. But to do that at, in Lynchburg is impressive to me. Uh, And then the worst loss in the spring is against Auburn. Uh, I mean, first of all, it's the only loss they had in the spring. But second of all, it was just the fact that uh, Auburn was able to score three goals with just about uh, zero time left. Uh, It just kind of burned for VT. This was really the game that if they would have won it, they would have probably made the postseason play. But they got scored on three times in the last 20 minutes, and that's just something that, uh, at, at the end of the day for any soccer team is kind of inexcusable um, but Mallory Mooney for Auburn I remember I had read on that one she shined she had a hat trick uh, scoring all three of those goals in the 20th and at the end of the day it's, just, it, it's, it's a hard loss to take uh, particularly after working so hard during the spring to fight for the NCAA tournament
1: yeah so like i also became a beat writer in the spring but i did follow what was happening in the fall and for me virginia tech's best win came uh in their 8-2 drubbing of miami at that point in the season they were one and six and they were really hurting for just any semblance of offense they had only scored three goals in their first seven games so they were they were just hurting in all ways and they they played they went into Miami they played and they won 8-2 which is I think their biggest victory in nearly a decade and you saw offensive production from people who you don't normally see on the stat sheet like Emily McCarter, Carly Johnson, Allison Brown, Taylor Bryan, Mackenzie Graham and it, it was just a kickstarter for Virginia Tech, because they they took that win and then they went on. Their only losses after that in the season were against Louisville, which was ranked number 13 at the time, UNC in the ACC championship game, the number one team, and then at the very end of the season, Auburn. So it, it really just kickstarted their campaign. As for uh, their worst loss, I'd say it would be a tie between the two UNC games. Uh, Patrick touched on this a little bit earlier. Aliyah Skinner did phenomenally in both of those games. She only gave up one goal. But yeah, Tech lost both of those matches 1-0. And both of those games, the, the winning goal was scored by Brianna Pinto relatively early on in the game. And it's just sort of crushing when you're playing the number one team in the country and you're playing them fairly well. You give up an early goal, you fall down behind. They can sort of, they have the luxury of sort of playing back and defending against you. And it's just, it's a tough loss to swallow if you're playing so close to the number one team that you want to try and at least get a draw if not a victory out of them. So yeah, I'd say those were probably my worst losses.
2: Yeah, um, building off that, um, I think so. I'm going to start out with my uh, the worst loss, and I think my choice would be the Florida State game in the fall. Um, the team was coming in, um, I believe, 0 and 5, um, so rough start. And I, I don't think it was an injury, I think they just wanted to give her rest, but they put um, S.A. Phillips in goal. Um, it was her first start of that um, of that year um, so she kind of replaced Aaliyah Skinner for that game and the Hokies just did not look good at home um, they had a, a decent first half they only gave up a goal but really in the second half things opened up um, and the Seminoles they're very good program they're um, they're 3-0 and at the time 3-0 in the ACC and the second ranked team in the country but Um, The Hokies ended up losing that one four to nothing. Um, They got outshot 17 to one. Um, I did a story on that and it was just, it was hard to write about just because there wasn't really much to say on the Virginia tech. end. it was pretty much all Florida state from the jump um, six to one in corner kicks. Um, Yeah. And just being outshot 17 to one, I mean, and only one shot coming in the first half, that's just, you can see a clear and decisive just kind of domination of a program and yeah, just not a great day for the Hokies, but um, so that would probably be my worst loss just because Virginia Tech was just not competitive at all. I mean, you can look in some of their losses against very good programs or they're competitive, but in this one, it was just not very pretty to watch. Um, So then honestly, and kind of, um, kind of interesting, I think their best win of the season was, following up that game um you know 0 and five you've had you had a really bad loss um you put Aaliyah skinner back in goal and you're kind of hoping to kind of bounce back and they really i mean it was it was impressive they're playing 14th ranked pittsburgh um back at home and Aaliyah skinner had 12 saves um that was the most saves for tech in the fall and spring um so that was really impressive. Um, Emily Gray and Tori Powell, uh, well, Tori Powell had one goal. Um, Emily Gray had an assist. It was a really strong performance. Um, just kind of really played well from the opening kickoff to the final whistle um, and just a really strong performance and that was part of the reason why I, I liked Elias Skinner as the um, MVP because, again, in this one, Virginia Tech was outshot 19-8, to um, and Aliyah Skinner really stepped up big following a game where she didn't play in um, and just really kind of made some big saves that helped fuel the team, and it just felt like a really rejuvenating win after such a deflating loss um, before that. And that was actually their first goals, um, any goals scored, in almost a month. Um, They scored one goal in their season opener at Virginia that they lost one to three. That was on September the 12th. Um, They didn't score again until October 4th, which was the Pittsburgh game in which they scored two goals. So um, that was refreshing to see the offense kind of get some life to it. Um, And, you know, it was kind of fueled by the performance and goal. So, yeah, that would probably be my best win of the season.
0: All right, guys, that's all very good insight uh, onto the past season, uh, wrapping up some of the best wins and worst losses for Tech Women's Soccer uh, this past year. So after we've looked back, I kind of want to look ahead now. Going ahead to next season and even beyond, I want to focus on this season and maybe a younger player, whether it be a freshman or a sophomore, that – showed some potential, showed some flash, got some minutes to play, uh, played an important role, and will sort of become a building block uh, for this team for the next few years to come. Uh, I want to go through the same order, Cole Bjorn, and through the rest. Um, And I want to get someone who you thought stood out and could potentially be an even more impactful player uh, in the coming years.
3: Um, I mean, as uh, my MVP uh, for the season was Emily Gray, there's someone that's going to be able have to take that when Emily Gray uh, moves on from the team eventually, uh, senior year and whatnot. And the player who was second to her in scoring this year, um, least Skinner, though also being very impressive in goal, was of course Tori Powell, um, uh, one of our MVPs as well. But I, I have Tori Powell as my player to look into the future for because as a freshman. Uh, she was able to put forward seven goals and four assists. Um, I believe that is the number two in each category only behind Emily Gray. They were, and uh, this is just going to be huge. Uh, like this is a huge uh, production from a freshman year, particularly playing under uh, a thousand minutes uh, on the season, a pretty good shot on goal percentage of uh, the 50, uh, 57%. Um, she was able to produce a good year. And I think as uh she kind of like matures and grows as a player uh, throughout her time on the team. Uh, and that shot on goal percentage comes up. Hopefully that will equate to more goals coming from her. And th- as I said, Emily Gray, and uh, like our MVPs aren't going to be here forever. So you've got to be able to start getting those goals in. And I think that uh, Tory Powell is going to be a big part of that moving into the future. Uh,
1: for me, I'd say probably a lot of the defense, just because um, the and basically the entire back four for Virginia Tech are either freshmen or sophomores, and so they're they're very young. It, it it sort of showed in the play, and I think that this is definitely a learning experience, and there's some holes to fix, but I think that uh, Coach Adair can really. Whip them into shape. I think Ava Vaith was probably um, the best defender I saw, and she's also, I believe, she scored a goal or two on the season. But anyway, she's she's definitely done well for Tech thus far, and I think that she shows a lot of promise in how well she plays the ball and how well she how well she's able to play the ball. Towards her midfielders and forwards.
2: Um, yeah, those are both really solid picks. Um, I was looking at somebody. At, at, I, I agree with Ishan. Um, the back line has been um, kind of one of the. I think bright like they've they've struggled. I think towards the end of games just because of, you know, you're just on your heels um, throughout much of the game, but I think there's a lot of potential there. Um, I am going to go with um, Carly Johnson, with uh, for somebody to look for going forward. Um, so with Allison Brown um, graduating, um, Carly Johnson was fourth this year in points for the team. Um, and I think Emily Gray and Tori Powell kind of you need someone to kind of help along with that as well it would kind of help to kind of have a three-headed attack um because a bulk of the points came from Gray and Powell um Gray had 26 Powell had 18 um and then Allison Brown had nine but um she's graduating so Carly Johnson had six points obviously so Um, I think just adding to the offense, I think um, like my season MVP was Aaliyah Skinner. And I think that's a strong person and goal to kind of um, keep teams in check. So I think if we could just, if if she's able to um, continue the progress that she made this year um, and really help with the offense, I think that could do wonders for a team that's um, really building and um, could use the offensive prowess.
0: All right, thanks, guys. Certainly, some young players there on the upswing that hopefully can get this program back to the NCAA tournament, where Coach Adair has taken them many times in his tenure here as coach. So, I want to just two quick, more quick things. Uh, we've talked about this somewhat in the sense of a best win, worst loss. Uh, what about overall plagued this team or maybe help this team throughout the season? I want to go through you guys again, and I want you to give me what this team's overall best their biggest strength was and what maybe was plaguing them and bringing them down, what the overall weakness of this team may have been throughout the season.
3: Um, I, I think from what I was able to gather, uh, particularly later towards the, the like the season, particularly as we were going to the spring, I think probably one of the best things about them um, was their creativity and the amount of chances that they're able to make for each other. Um, there wasn't really a game uh, gone by that uh, I had uh, that I was looking through um, where they were really like down in chances, certainly towards the top of the spring. I think when there are some players injured and coming back and whatnot and overall just a rough start for that young back line. But as the season moved on, as this team gained more and more chemistry, it kind of felt like the offense was able to at least put together um, some decent performances, particularly the William and Mary three nothing win, uh, as well as the Liberty win that I have also marked on um so i i think moving forward that's also going to be something big for this team if they can keep uh creating like that uh one of the harder things though for this team uh specifically is kind of like keeping games uh held under like held in wraps being able to keep games together towards the end of it uh particularly in their last two games of the season against liberty and auburn uh they let liberty score three goals in a, a span of 15 minutes um that to make the game rather than 5 nothing 5-3, as well as they had the hat trick from Marnell Mooney for Auburn to go from a 1-1 draw to a 4-1 loss that uh, most likely got them out of the NCAA tournament. So one thing that the Hokies are going to need to focus on moving into next season is just um, holding on to games late and making sure that they can stick it through because they can stick it through, they actually performed very well in most of their games, uh, particularly the games that I was able to catch.
1: Yeah, actually, uh, I, I agree with your um, weakness. I, I do think that they really need to focus on closing out games. Um, I, I'll add on to that. Um, the offense is sort of hit or miss. And uh, that, that's sort of reflective of their record plus the amount of goals they scored. They actually outscored their opponents 31 to 30 on the season. and um, their goals per game is rising from previous seasons. Uh, they they their goals per game was 1.82 over this 2020 2021 season, which is up from 1.3 in 2019, under a goal a game back in 2018. So they are improving on offense, but it's still quite not where it needs to be. And um, yeah, so I, I really think that they need to work on developing a more consistent offensive attack because if you're scoring close to two goals per game, you should be able to, if you have a solid defense, and a solid goalkeeper, you should be able to pull out most of your games. And they just haven't been able to do that. And I think that they need to work on their offensive attack plus work on closing out games late. I think their biggest strength, honestly, was their youth. Uh, a lot of the team or a lot of the key contributors on this team are freshmen or sophomores. We've mentioned their names, the, uh, Tori Powell, uh, pretty much the entire back line. Nicole Kozlova is a, a redshirt sophomore. Aliyah Skinner is a freshman. So you have all this young talent on your team. They have a couple of years left. And so I think that you really need to continue to nurture that talent, continue to find areas to improve, and eventually next you know next season, hopefully they progress from where they finished this season and potentially make a run in the NCAA tournament.
2: Yeah, um, you you guys really hit the nail on the head. I really honestly don't have too much to add. Um, Completely agree with you guys. I think um, just kind of as far as weaknesses, just kind of trying to improve from the top down as opposed from the back up. I think um, although the back line was kind of young, I think, just watching them. They did a good job, but it's almost like um, in football when you can't score and your defense is on the field all the time, eventually, even if they're phenomenally good, they're going to get tired and get exposed. And I think that's what happened in a lot of cases. So I think just, um, you know, I think just kind of improving the, um, the offense, I think would would be good I I think they had a really strong spring campaign um really picked up the scoring uh the fall was I think just tough you're playing really good ACC opponents I mean pretty much all of their games in the fall were ranked matchups um so that's really tough to deal with and then I think in the spring just kind of kind of Having some easier opponents like William and Mary, um, I think just kind of helped them build some confidence and um, help themselves moving forward, I think. uh, They kind of moved up the totem pole they finished around um, 30th in total goals this season and a big chunk of that came from the spring, um, which I think is a big confidence booster going forward so. Um, And I agree with Ishan. I think the biggest strength is their youth. Um, They didn't have probably the greatest season they wanted to have, but lots of young players got experience and really improved. So, yeah, I would say the youth um, is their greatest strength. And then as far as weakness, just kind of um, improving on kind of the offense as a whole. I think they did that over the course of the year um, and just continuing to do that. Um, They should have a really good shot at getting back to the NCAA tournament.
0: All right. Thank you guys. That should just about do it for our coverage of the women's season. We can move along now to the men's side of things. Their season was ended 10 days ago uh, in their second game of the NCAA tournament in penalty kicks uh, against Seton Hall. Uh, That was following a incredible win uh, against Oregon State on a last second header in overtime. Uh, overall, in Mike Brissendine's 12th season with the team, they finished 7, 6, and 4, 5, 5, and 2 in conference. And again, they did make the NCAA tournament, uh, losing two seed in the hall in penalty kicks after a win against Oregon State. So I just kind of want to do a quick run through the same questions, uh, same themes. Want to get some of the similar ideas from you guys regarding the most impactful players, uh, certain turning points in the season, all that jazz. So I want to start off with who we think our season MVP was for Virginia Tech men's soccer.
3: Um, I'm not always the guy to uh, go towards goals, and I certainly do want to give this uh, to Jacob Lavovitz as he completely dominated for the team. But I'm going to go with uh, someone who actually had to take over goalkeeping for the spring season, and someone who really impressed me when he played. Uh, he had the most appearances for the team. It is uh, Matt Zambetti, the uh, sophomore uh, keeper out of uh, uh He actually had a pretty uh, decent season and goal when he he played uh it was harder in the spring uh one thing to note one of the biggest uh things that was even asked uh of the team was how they're going to be able to move forward uh from uh Danny Pereira as he went to Austin FC to start his uh MLS uh career and uh Matt Zambetti was a huge part in that uh the team overall struggled a bit in the spring and maybe even the games won't quite show exactly how good Matt Zambetti was, but Matt Zambetti uh, actually fought really hard for this team throughout the spring season. Uh, Yeah. We had some hard losses uh, against Duke and against uh, Clemson in double overtime and Virginia, but uh, Zambetti was there making great saves. A lot of those goals uh, in all honesty were rebounds um, that just were very unfortunate for Zambetti. There's really nothing a goalkeeper can do on that. Um, and as someone who played, uh, who has played the position uh, themselves, um, not as high of this as this though, of course, um, just what Zambetti did in the net when I was able to watch was impressive to me, and he pulled off some great saves, including uh, against the Oregon State save, uh, in the Oregon State game, to keep Virginia Tech alive in some of these matchups. Uh, with a save percentage of 73%, I or just about 73%, he had a good year, and Hopefully, if the defense can continue to improve, I think that he could be a big uh, cornerstone piece moving forward uh, for Coach Prison nine.
1: You know, yeah, I'll definitely agree with you there, Colbjorn. I mean, he, in, in the NCAA tournament against Oregon State and Seton Hall, he had some truly draw-dropping, draw, I guess my mouth isn't working today, jaw-dropping saves. And, um, yeah, he really kept his team in the game and I'll, I'll definitely agree with you. He had a tremendous impact, but I'm going to steal Jacob Blaviewicz from you because, I mean, he was absolutely unreal. I, in the games that I covered as well as watched, uh, he was just a thrill to watch. Nine goals on the season, three assists. He played a hand in all four of the Virginia Tech goals in the NCAA tournament, including that, as you mentioned, the, the last second game winner in overtime against Oregon State. Uh, I think back in my, uh, in my very first game that I covered for men's soccer for 3304 sports, it was the loss to Duke. Uh, I believe Virginia Tech lost 4-2 in that one. And so Virginia Tech was really undone by the Duke's, Duke's quick strikes. They scored two in the span of about a minute and a half in the first half, and then did the same thing in the second half. So that, That really sort of took the air out of Virginia Tech's sales. But in between that sort of like two goal sandwich, if you will, Labowitz had an incredible bicycle kick. It it literally brought the crowd to their feet and everyone was cheering hard. It brought the momentum back on their side single-handedly. And I think that's, that's something that you can't really show on the stat sheet, just the sort of momentum, the energy shifting in the stadium. I think that is is honestly a, a mark of a great player. And I think Labowitz, with the departure of Daniel Pereira, he really stepped in nicely.
2: Yeah, that's a solid, solid pick. Um, I like both the guys that you guys went with. Um, and kind of building off of um, Ishan's pick, um, one of my guys that I um, – I've actually gotten to know, and he's um, a great guy, uh, Chris Little, um, who's actually been a part of some really cool moments alongside Jacob Labovitz, who's um, scored the goals. But Chris Little's got had three assists on the year, um, and th- I would argue three of some of the biggest assists um, of the entire year. Um, he had one assist in the three-three tie against UMass, which was a game scheduled to try and kind of help the Hokies. Um, get into the NCAA tournament Um, and then there was a game in the fall um, at Louisville that went into overtime and he had a beautiful through ball to um, Jacob who uh, placed this just insane upper 90 curving ball right into the back of the net Um, really cool moment Um, and then kind of the deja vu again with Oregon State just a a beautiful pass really no thought just stepped right into it very confident um clock running down with uh, I think maybe four or five seconds left and um Jake and Lavovitz was able to um put it in the back of the net but um that's who I would kind of go with just because he wasn't uh flashy didn't have the big numbers but in some of the biggest moments he was able to make some really big plays for the Hokies and uh yeah, just um, just kind of stands out when you're watching when you um, kind of go through the games. So yeah.
0: All right, so now we can dive more in depth to certain results throughout the season. Let's run back through the lineup and let's go through the men's teams' uh, best win and worst loss. Uh,
3: the best win for the uh, Virginia Tech men's and. This one is just, in all honesty, it's, it's the excitement of it. I'm going to go to the Oregon State NCAA tournament win. Um, even, like, like trying to just watch it through even a neutral lens, it's some of the most exciting soccer I've seen in a while. Kind of, like, from, from the get-go, uh, both teams are kind of uh, in each other's uh, final third for a majority of the first half. In the second half, uh, after Virginia Tech scored, it kind of became a game where uh, they were just kind of uh, forcing uh, Oregon State, telling them to come and get them, go get your equalizer, uh, and they were defending really well. It was kind of – it felt like a culmination of the spring season from uh, what I've been able to catch, um, from their defense stepping up to Zambetti showing his best to uh, a lot of us scoring two amazing headers um, throughout the game. The game winner with a mere – like a mere second left – in the first overtime period and the first header to start off like about 10 minutes in the second half um it was great play from honestly everyone i don't think the only goal that oregon state scored the one that uh came with about a few minutes left in the second half and all honestly was very unfortunate for virginia tech it just kind of seemed like they switched off as the ball was uh looking like it was going to go out and then oregon state they made sure to stay on since there's little time left and they made sure to score it. So they had a very, very solid team performance against the Oregon State side that had a very good goal uh, goal differential going into that game. And to be able to, to not only hold that team to honestly what should have been a one-nothing win, but what turned out to be a two-one win was very impressive. And just the ending of that game was, I think from any standpoint, a very magical ending. And something that I don't think anyone uh, in that program is going to forget for a while. It was just a solid win to take them into the Seton Hall game, and give them honestly a very big momentum boost.
1: Uh, yeah, for me, I'd say probably the uh the best win for Virginia uh, for Virginia Tech uh, came in uh, against UNC back on April second. Uh, they they faced off or or they were just coming off for a four game losing streak in which they lost to Duke at home they lost to number one Clemson in double overtime at home that was an absolute heartbreaker they go on the road and lose to rival UVA and then they come back to Blacksburg to lose again in double overtime to a top five opponent so it just demoralizing loss after demoralizing loss. And they they go into Chapel Hill, NCAA aspirations, basically on the line. And they face off against the number 15 team in the country and come away with a one nothing victory. It wasn't super flashy. It, it wasn't like a, a super dazzling performance. But Crystal Strickler's goal to take them over the top provide a key win for them, really aided their uh, their tournament hopes. They eventually closed out the season with a win against Notre Dame, also on the road, and then a 3-3 thriller against UMass. So it, it really sort of helped propel Virginia Tech into the NCAA tournament because I'm fully convinced that without that win, they wouldn't have gotten in based on their record and how tight this this tournament was this year?
2: Yeah. Um, so for me, um, as far as worst loss goes, I'm actually gonna go with a tie. Um, I think the last game against UMass, I felt watching that game that uh, the Hokies were the better team. I think they just got caught in some um, plays that just um, – I don't, they just got caught off guard and balls slipped through and UMass was able to capitalize. Um, the Hokies outshot UMass 25-11 um, to 11 and had 14 corner kicks to their five. Um, kind of a really scrappy game. Um, the Hokies had 15 fouls um, with two yellow cards. I think they were really um, just I, – I just felt from watching the game um, that they were kind of the better team and they might have just kind of played down to their competition in that one. Um, I was impressed at the um, team's ability to rally um, after kind of giving up two goals in the span of three minutes. Um, after being up 2-1, now being down 3-2, and you're thinking if we lose this one, um, you know – you don't really know if you're going to make the tournament or not. And they were able to score um, just about five minutes later to even it up. And that was the final three, three. So um, I think there were some good things to take from that, but I just felt that they were the better team and they really had some momentum going into the end of the year. Um, And my best win um, kind of selfishly, but um, I'm from Charlottesville. Um, their one nothing win um, against the Cavaliers in the fall um, was, or yeah, it was um, was really cool to see. Um, the Hokies hadn't won there in since 2005, and uh, they just I think they're really amped up. Um, I've talked to a couple players since, and they they really take that game um, seriously and want to win. And it was just really cool to see, and um, I think that was one of the biggest goals of the year. Um, Daniel Pereira um, had the game winner in that one, so yeah, that would probably be my biggest win, was snapping that streak. Uh,
3: I, I apologize as well because I, I just realized I think uh, the, the Sean and I may have missed our uh, worst loss as well. Since yeah, yeah, we
1: definitely did. So
3: uh, I, I mean, I'll, I'll try to make we keep mine brief. Um, as well, but I, I definitely agree. I remember looking back at some of those, and I think you guys have some great games picked out um, for best and worst. Uh, for me, the worst uh, one that I witnessed as well was the 4 uh, 2 loss at home to Duke to start the uh, four game losing streak this year. Um, even looking at, uh, looking at it as well, um, Duke had not scored since October 23rd, um, or actually, really, since they, I mean, not including the ECC championship, they hadn't scored since October 23rd in the regular season, and they won. Uh, 2-1 to loss to Wake Forest. Uh, This Duke team was definitely on a skid with even their last win coming uh, just a couple weeks before that against NC State. And uh, going into it, it just felt like a game that Virginia Tech should have won at home. And Duke came in and just did not allow them to do it. Uh, Sure, they had both of their – they had two strings of, like, two goals – coming in a matter of like a couple minutes, but that's something that Virginia Tech absolutely should not have happened to them. And it was a definitely a very demoralizing loss. Uh, Sure. Labovitz had the excellent bicycle kick, definitely an ESPN top 10 uh, goal, absolutely phenomenal play. But at the end of the day, when a team hasn't really scored for um, like over three matches of regular season play, um, including losses to North Carolina, double overtime to Charlotte Uh, and even a draw against uh, UNC Wilmington and a loss to Kentucky, when Duke's not able to score in, at that point, what's probably like 500 or so minutes of play, to allow them to score four on you at your home stadium is just kind of, it's not something that you should be allowing to ever happen in any scenario.
1: And uh, I think for me, I'd say definitely the worst loss. I'd say this is probably an easy one. Is uh, the 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 final game that they played of the season, the loss to Seton Hall in the NCAA tournament. Uh, you know, coming into this one, they're facing against the number six seed in the tournament, so you obviously know that you're going to get a a tough fight. And some, I don't know if if I would, but definitely some were considering Virginia Tech to be somewhat of a Cinderella team if they managed to make a run, just because. It seemed like with their record that they were probably one of the last teams into the, the tournament. And they came out with honestly a very impressive display. Uh, Seton Hall was getting shot after shot on Zambetti, and he was just saving everything left and right. Uh, he saved a very clutch penalty kick early on in the game. And then just a minute or two later, Nick Blacklock goes the other way. And gets a goal, takes a deflection off a defender. So Virginia Tech leading 1-0. They were getting harassed by Seton, Hall, Seton Hall's offense throughout the entire first half. Eventually, with just 16 seconds left in the half, Seton Hall breaks through. So that's just crushing for morale, going into the locker room. And then coming back out of the locker room, Virginia Tech sort of had a little bit of a little bit more energy, a little bit more pep. And Nick Blacklock, again, scored off a feed by Jacob Lavowitz. and the Hokies were up 2-1, two, two and so going into the final 10 minutes, they thought, oh my god, we could actually make it to the quarterfinals. This, you know, we could potentially make a run here. And then it all fell apart in the span of like 30 seconds. Uh, Andrea Borg scored off a set piece, and Just 30 seconds later, Lebowitz has a hard foul pretty much behind the play. It wasn't even like he was playing the ball or a a defender who was playing the ball. He, it was just behind the play and it was a bad foul. It was a double yellow. He had to go sit on the bench. So now you're down your most prolific offensive threat in the final 10 minutes against the number six team in the country. And, you know, in addition to that, you're also just down a man. And so Seton Hall kept showering them with chances. Virginia Tech had a couple of their own, so you thought, hey, maybe there could be some fight back here. But they managed to take it all the way to penalty kicks. And at that point, it's basically just a toss-up. Eventually, after both teams made shots, missed missed a shot each, Virginia Tech misses one. Seton Hall capitalizes. Their goalie scores the the final penalty kick to send them on. And I think that was just honestly devastating. I I was, Pat, Patrick actually covered the game live, but I had done the post-game report for that. And so talking to coach Brizendine after the game, you could just sort of sense the atmosphere on the team bus. Everyone was just deflated, shoulders dropped. It was truly a heartbreaking loss.
0: Yeah, it definitely seems like it was. So moving right along after the conclusion of the season, we can focus once again on seasons to come. And so I want to get your guys' opinions on some younger players that for the men's program could step up more uh, or if they um, had a impact this year that can carry over into future seasons. Some of those, you know, freshman or sophomore players that will, uh, hope to grow uh, into something more uh, for the team for years to come.
3: Uh, I see a very bright future for Matt and Betty, but I already talked about him with my MVP. So I kind of want to get a little bit of like diversify a little bit here because uh, otherwise I could obviously sing the praises again to Matt's and Betty. So I want to actually go into a sophomore that actually scored the brace for us against Seton Hall to keep us in that game. Uh, they may have been deflections, but he works really hard to get those uh, shots and that's going to be uh, uh, for Nick Blacklock, um, another Pennsylvania native. Um, but just what he's able to do uh, up front is something that not everyone is able to do. Um, uh, he is actually tied with Christo for the second most amount of goals scored on the year, uh, both of them behind uh, Lavovitz. And if Joe, I don't know if actually if Lavovitz is able to be here next year or not. However in any event even if he is he's only he probably only has like a year left of eligibility and if he's not we need someone to take over for his uh goal scoring prowess and Blacklock certainly can be the guy to do it he was actually getting a pretty decent bit of of uh minutes each game particularly when it came towards the end of the season uh putting up uh 90 minutes against UMass and Seton Hall with 70 against Oregon State um Overall, to even look at this a little bit deeper, he was pretty good for his uh, shot on goal percentage, actually being higher than Lavovitz and Strickler, not by too much, by about like uh, you know two to three percent. However, that's still pretty impressive for uh, not being able to get the like same amount of opportunities as them. So again, kind of like uh, something that I've even said with other like uh, with, uh, with women's end. Hopefully, if Blacklock can get more opportunities as he uh, is able to get more time for the team, um, then hopefully he will be able to put forward some more goal scoring opportunities, which this team is certainly going to need moving forward.
1: Uh, for me in the future, uh, this may come as a, a little bit of a surprising pick, but I would actually go with Mayola Kinyua. He's a sophomore in the midfield. And I I, in the games that I covered, he is, he is a menace in the midfield. He is so eager to hunt for possession and win back balls from midfielders and defenders. And I think that that is a really, really important asset to have on your team. Uh, and he it, it didn't matter whether he was starting or coming off the bench. He really sh- he really shined for, Virginia Tech. I think he can continue to do that in the future. He's also really good at generating chances for the offense. He manages to either get passes to the goal scorers or at least passes to playmakers who can then cross it into the box for anyone who has the opportunity. Not to mention, you know, he's he's somewhat of a, a threat to goal. He hasn't yet gotten a goal, but I believe that in in no short time he will definitely break through and uh, yeah I, i'm really optimistic for his future with the program and i think he can continue to grow and make virginia tech a better team
2: yeah those are um those are i really like your guys um picks with those uh nick blacklock has really kind of um blossomed as the season went on and um yeah those I I agree with both of those. And um, for me, I'm going to go with Khalil Dover. Uh, Just watching the games in person, um, I just think he's a guy that with more minutes is going to just be phenomenal. Um, He had a massive goal against Virginia in the fall um, in Blacksburg. It it honestly, it felt, and I think the team did too, just being there and watching it live. and, And I've seen the bench reaction it just kind of felt like it I think the team felt like that was it like that was gonna be the one to um, to be Virginia and it ended up not being the day but he's just a really strong guy I think creates a lot of um, really good opportunities for the team um, and he's always flying around the ball um, he had about five points this year um, and just a really solid player I think he gave a real boost um, coming in for the offense when um, Labovitz comes off the field. And um, I think uh, he's a junior. Um, I think he could really give a good um, kickstart to the offense um, with uh, Chris Joe being drafted, so yeah.
0: All right, so for our last topic of the day, I wanna circle back to something we also talked about with the women's team. Uh, moving into next season, what's something that this team can hang its hat on and what's something that in the offseason uh, Coach I would want them to work on? What would you say this team's biggest strength was this season and, of course, also their biggest weakness?
3: Uh, I think the biggest strength overall when you're looking at this team um, from the season, uh, particularly towards the end, I think was overall um, – I think being able to maintain like their lead um, they were, they were able to fight through in most cases. Now, sure. That may not quite show against Oregon state and Seton hall. However, those are two very impressive teams. And I think that they were able to maintain uh, an overall uh, state of kind of overall being calm with their defense and uh, goalkeeper being able to put up nice work uh, after being able to score a goal and, um, And I think that that's also something, though, it is a strength. It is also something Brizendine wants to work on, just the overall defense. And I think if that defense gets stronger and stronger, this honestly could be a team that could be a defensive stalwart uh, moving forward in the ACC. I do think Zambetti's that uh, good, and I think that there are some really talented uh, defenders back there um, with Haugley going into his senior year, and you have some nice players like uh, Valentin and uh, Nathan Durst there uh, in the center of the defense and I think that though it's something that needs to be worked on more. Um, I think that all in all, that, that can be a something that Virginia can hang their hats on moving forward in the next year. Cause I think that those players are going to be able to do really well next season um, overall to work on. Uh, honestly, this might be a, it's a fairly easy thing to call, but I think overall it's going to be goal scoring. You might be slightly surprised with my saying that um, particularly with uh, overall, what we've known this team to be for a long time. But the fact of the matter is, Christo Strickler is going to be gone as well as uh, Danny Pereira. Um, as I've said, I don't quite know exactly uh, what's happening, if he's still going to be here next year or if he uh, is also going to be moving on. But at the end of the day, we are going to be losing a lot of goals that came from uh, Pereira as well as Strickler. Um, and it is something where at the end of the day, uh, your defense can only do so much. If, if you're going to sit back and let the other team press you, uh, if, if that works for you, that's great. And it did work for tech. The issue is, is it only worked up to a certain extent. And then in the Oregon state game, they scored with barely any time left scene hall game. They scored with not that much time left. Um, and then things fell apart in that game. So the fact of the matter is, is you need to be able to score more goals to make sure that you have less and less pressure on your defense and I think that's something that uh, this team as a whole can build towards. Just getting a little bit more of uh, offensive, maybe like a bit of offensive fluidity, but certainly just being able to um, score on the opportunities that you're able to create for yourself.
1: Yeah, for, uh, for me, Colbjorn, Patrick, and I, we, we wrote a, a season preview to start the spring season. And one of the things we touched on was Virginia Virginia Tech trying to generate more opportunities, which I'm not sure if they've really done the best job at. Um, it has improved a little since the fall, but not by much. They do outshoot their opponents uh, pretty easily. They, they get 235 shots in their season compared to 187 given up, but, most of those aren't on goal in fact the their their opponents have about five percent better shots on goal percentage than the Hokies do and so I think just getting uh, getting shots on goal on target is definitely something that they need to work on because hey you never know sometimes like in the in the Seton Hall game sometimes it takes a deflection off a defender sometimes the goalie isn't paying attention. You catch him napping and it goes into one of the corners. You know, it just something like that generating opportunities because who knows, maybe something something crazy happens and you actually get a goal out of it. So uh, doing that can definitely help. Uh, Their foul trouble, they do take a lot of hard fouls and that results in significantly more yellows. 39 for them compared to their opponents getting just 23 so they really need to do a better job at maintaining their composure on the field uh and for me i think that uh their their greatest strength going into the future that i think they need to lean on is their speed uh patrick sort of touched on this with khalil dover he is I'd say pretty comfortably the fastest guy on the team. like when he gets out in the open on a fast break, he is dangerous. And I think that th- their their speed is definitely a key asset. And I think they can uh, they can utilize that a lot on fast breaks. So I think that they need to take that uh, and sort of improve upon it. See how you can use your speed to generate chances. And um, yeah, i I'd, I'd say that's probably it for me.
2: I completely agree with um, Ishan, um, and he actually touched on it a little bit in our season preview with the men. I think one of their weaknesses is it's kind of twofold. I think it's the fouls, and then on top of that, the fouls that then in turn create set pieces, um, which the Hokies honestly are not the best at defending, um, and they kind of – um struggled early on in the fall with it and then practiced it a lot more and got better at it. But we saw that um in the Seaton Hall game, um, where they were able to score a couple of goals on some set pieces. So I think kind of improving both of those, but I think it also stems from just the the fouls and um you know, you love Lavvitz just because of how good he is at scoring goals, but it's kind of a double-edged sword because he can get a little testy on the field. Um, and you saw that again in the Seton Hall game where he gets his two yellow cards in one game, and now you're not only without him like touched on but you are down a man, um, which is very hard to play with. Um, the Hokies ranked, I believe, I think it was third in yellow cards in the entire nation Um, trailing only NC State and UAB. They had 38 yellow cards. So that's, I think, just kind of cleaning up the play a little bit. Um, Obviously, you want to play hard, but I think just trying to um, just clean that up and keep guys on the field, um, I think will do wonders for this team. Um, And then greatest strength, honestly, I think um, is Matt, um, Matt Zambetti who Colborne, um, touched on, um, he just had, he, he played a phenomenal, some great games down the stretch. I think, um, capping with the Seton Hall game, he had seven saves in, um, about like 20 minutes, the first 20 minutes of the game, which was just, I think gave the guys a really good boost. Um, and then you kind of get a lucky goal down there. And next thing you know, you're like, Hey, we got a shot here. So Um, I think just the guy now in goal, Matt Zambetti, I think is a strength, um, um, going forward with this team to try and make a sixth consecutive NCAA tournament appearance, which is just so impressive.
0: All right, guys. I want to thank you all for joining me here today. Uh, loved all your insight. Loved you guys for, uh, answering my questions with in-depth with uh, the coverage that you guys brought this season, as well as all the stats you brought to the table today. Uh, For our listeners, if you want to go check out any of these uh, gentlemen's work, you can go to our website at 3304sports.com where they all did post-game recaps, where they shared their uh, analysis of certain games, as well as uh, anything that they were able to get in the post-game, such as press conferences and whatnot. Uh, for any other episodes of our beat writer series and the 3304 sports podcast in general you can listen to it at uh, on anchor and spotify be sure to follow us on twitter for other news regarding beat writers and the sports that they cover for colbjorn bergstrom sean lamba and patrick campbell i'm dan steinbach i want to thank you all for listening and take care